We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson Preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi And now, Mike Hickson One of the things that sometimes robs us of internal peace is a life outside the will of God. Sadly, sometimes people choose to walk away from the relationship that at one time they richly enjoyed with God. In Luke chapter 15, we have a parable. And Jesus as always, presents a very vivid picture containing great spiritual truths of a young man that left the comfort and security of home for the world. And he found out that life wasn't quite as great as he thought it would be out in that far country. And so I want us to look at this parable and think about how If we're not careful, we can allow the world to encroach upon our life with God and rob us of the peace that we're supposed to have in the Lord. Many, many years ago, Isaiah the prophet said, There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. And so when we choose to walk away from the Lord, in effect what we're saying is, We're not interested in that peace that passes all understanding. I want to begin our lesson today by, first of all, talking about the hurtful request. Listen to what Jesus said, beginning in verse 11. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood, his living. I think there are a couple of reasons why this request was hurtful. One, imagine going to your father, going to your parents, and saying, I want my inheritance now. Hard for me to believe that someone would have that kind of mindset. That they want their possessions, they want what their folks have been working for and laboring for. This young man seems to have not thought about the hurt that this might have caused his father. I mean, typically we talk about an inheritance and how we receive our families possessions at death. That's not how this fellow thought, is it? He wanted it now. So I think about the audacity of going before his father and making this request. And then secondly, I think about the fact that what he was asking for, he wasn't equipped to handle. In his mind, he thought if he could get his hands on his father's possessions, his money, then he'd be happy, satisfied with life. Never imagine the hurt 
that would come his way. So in light of this, think with me for just a moment or two about, first of all, his dissatisfaction. In my mind, in order for him to make this request, there had to be some dissatisfaction in his own life. Listen again to what Jesus said. He goes to his father and he says, Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. He wasn't content with what he had at home, was he? wonder how many people in our world today, if you were to ask them, if you were to take a poll, are you content, happy, satisfied? What would people say? I heard not long ago about one of the great marquees on Times Square that simply read, unsatisfied. And I wonder how many people in our world today, how many people even in the church, are unsatisfied. You know, Paul said many, many years ago, godliness with contentment is what? It's great gain. A lot of folks are discontent. They're dissatisfied. And this fella, dissatisfied. There's a second thing I, that comes to mind, and that is not only was he dissatisfied, but he was disillusioned. In his mind, all he can think about is what's out before him. I understand sometimes when we're young and ambitious and we have all of these great plans and thoughts and aspirations, but sadly sometimes we don't see the world for what it really is. This fellow thought about the bright lights in the city, didn't he? All he could see was the things that were before him, the glitter, the gold. And then... Add to that the beautiful ladies in the city. It's interesting down in verse 30 that the only charge that is made against him when he comes back home was made by his elder brother. Listen to him. He said, as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured his livelihood with harlots, with prostitutes. So, the world's before him. And he's got all the glitter, the gold, the enticements. And he's thinking about, look, i got a pocket load of money and I can go out and have a big time. A lot of folks think that way. And so, you have to wonder about the father. Don't you think the father knew what would happen? Don't you think he realized the hurt and the harm that would lay before him? So we talk about this hurtful request, and then there's a second thing I want you to see, and that is the hard road. What this young man didn't realize was this. He had a tough road before him. I know what he thought. I know what he envisioned. And I can just imagine the grandiose plans that he had, the great aspirations, and what he found out was life's not what you think it is sometimes. So, he had a hard road before him. There's a principle found in the book of Proverbs that we ought to think about. And the verse reads, the way of the transgressor is hard. Life outside of Christ a life outside the will of God is at best 
very tough, very difficult. And so, listen to what is said. First we read of his departure. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. The word prodigal, some translations may say profligate. All that means is he lived a life of waste. Now you think about how many people in our world today and how many people within the church are living, as we would say, in the wasteland of sin. Here's a guy that was wasting his life away in a far country, far removed from the safety, the happiness of home. And he's out here in this barren land. He's in a wasteland. He thought he was going out to have a big time, to have a great party. And what he found out was that life wasn't so great outside the safety and confines of his own home. There are a lot of people in our world today, a lot of folks in the church, that have wasted their talents or abilities in a life of sin. You remember what Solomon said? The way of the transgressor is hard. There are people that have wasted their abilities. They have wasted their physical lives. A lot of folks today paying a heavy price for living out in that wasteland. And so they're suffering physically and mentally and materially and most of all spiritually. Here's what Paul said, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. True in the physical realm, true in the spiritual realm. And then there's a second thing. Not only did he live a life of waste, but a life of waywardness. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, Peter talks about those who have forsaken the right way. Don't you think that while this young man was at home, he was walking and living the right kind of life? Sometimes as young folks, we have the idea that we know everything. And you ask me, how do you know that? Because I've been young. I've been there. I know what it was like to be 13, 14, 15, 16 years of age. I remember. And I remember thinking that I knew everything. I had all the answers. I knew a lot more than my folks. Taking me a long time to realize I wasn't quite as smart as I thought I was. And sometimes we have to learn the hard way. And I can assure you, I learned a lot of invaluable lessons the hard way. And what I would say to our young folks today is, look, you can, you can take the easy road, you can take the hard road. I advise you to take the easy road. When your folks tell you to do something and they try to point you in the right direction, Please hear me. Listen. Listen. They know what they're talking about. You may think they don't, but they do. And so listen. And so here is this young fella. He makes his departure. But I want you to see, secondly, his destitution. 
Look at verse 14. But when he had spent all, you know what that means? He was out of money. Can you imagine him leaving home? I can just imagine him walking out. He's got nice clothes on, got a nice ride, and he's leaving home. Everything's great. He's thinking about the bright lights of the city, all these beautiful ladies that are before him. He's going to have a party. He's going to have a great, he's going to have a great time. Guess what? He didn't plan on spending everything, did he? Sometimes when we're young, we're not real good with finances. So the Bible says, when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. You know what that means? He had some needs. And those needs were not being met, were they? Left home with a pocket full of change. Got money for food. I can just imagine him going into a tavern, a bar, and saying, drinks on me. I got all kind of money. Let me tell you what, that money ran out. And when it ran out, he was in want. Please listen, sin never, ever satisfies we think it does it doesn't if you think sin satisfies talk to somebody that has been a drug addict somebody who has been dependent on a drug whether it be alcohol heroin meth whatever and they'll tell you they're living for one thing and one thing alone you know what that is it's that drug and they're never satisfied. Every day's a new day. Every day is a day they've got to have that fix, that craving fulfilled. Back in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon in the long ago talks about all the things that he had in this life. And let me tell you what, when you look at the life of Solomon, you see somebody that many of us, many of us would want, we would want to be like him. We would want to have what he had. I mean, this guy had everything. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, he talks about how he was extremely powerful. He was the king over the United Kingdom. He was king in Israel. So here's a guy that's powerful. And then in that same chapter, he talked about how he had attained greatness. And so he's prominent. You remember the queen of the south, the queen of Sheba, came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon? He was renowned. So you think about it, here's a guy that has power. Here's a man that is prominent. Wouldn't you want to be powerful? Wouldn't you want to be pro- Wouldn't you want your name to be a household name? Everybody know about you? And then add to that the immense pleasures that he enjoyed in this life. He said, whatever my eyes desired, I didn't keep back from them. Whatever Solomon saw, you know what he did? He got it. And then read about all of the many possessions that he had in life. We're talking about somebody that, that was wealthy. I mean, he had everything. So you say, you know what? That's what I would like to be like. How many people in our world today, how many people even in the church, they see movie stars and rock stars and country stars 
And they see all these famous people that have all these gadgets and all this gold, and they think, that's what I want to be like. But sometimes we haven't heard, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. Do you remember what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 17? Here's what he said. You think about everything he had, and here's his summation. Therefore, I hated life. Would you say Solomon was satisfied, content, happy? Not at all. All I'm saying is this. You might have everything, but have nothing. Solomon had everything, but he didn't have anything. So his conclusion was, let me tell you what, here's what life's all about. Fear God, keep His commandments, for this is man's all. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. That's what life's about. So, here's a fellow that departed from home. He's destitute, and then note if you would, the rapid descent. Look at verse 15. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Now, put it into perspective, a Jewish boy having to eat in a hog pen with a ceremonially unclean animal? Can you imagine? So what about, what about in today's world? The analogy would be, here's somebody who is wealthy. And we've seen this happen from time to time. Here's somebody that's wealthy. They have everything. They've got the power, the prestige. They've got all kinds of possessions. They have lived life to the fullest from the vantage point of pleasure. And then, homeless. No home, no money, no car, no job, no nothing. You ever seen a pig pen? How'd you like to, how would you like to go home today and eat lunch with a bunch of pigs? Would you like that? I don't think any, any of us would like that. And here's what Jesus is saying. When you leave the realm of the Father, when you walk away from God, it is a rapid, spiraling descent. In other words, you're going straight down. You ever seen a plane that is in a free fall? I remember seeing a plane one time on the front page of the paper. The plane crashed, killing the pilot. The pilot and that plane, it was in a vertical dive, straight down. When you leave the will of God, when you choose to live a life of sin, let me tell you what, you are in a vertical dive. And you're going to crash and burn, bottom line. That's what happens. So, there's a third thing I want you to see, and that is his humble realization. It's been said before that sometimes we have to hit rock bottom before we can see our way up. And there are times in life when the best thing that can happen to us is for us to hit rock bottom. 
to bottom out. Let me tell you what, this guy, he bottomed out. He hit the basement. And as we would say, knocked the bottom out of it. So, first, in order for him to make his way back home, in order for him to get himself back where he needed to be, there were some things that had to take place. Number one, awareness. Look at verse 17. The Bible says, now you've got to think about this young fella. He's gone out, been living the big life. He's spent everything. He's down on his luck, out living a destitute life, feeding with the swine, the hogs, the pigs. And the Bible says, when he came to himself. Sometimes when we get outside the will of God, and we've been ripping and running and doing what we've been wanting to do for a long, long time, and we've been enjoying, quote, unquote, the world. And we wake up one day and we realize, you know what? Life's not really what I thought it ought to be. I'm really not that happy. I'm not that satisfied. I'm not content. I've been gone from the Lord for a long, long time. That light goes off, doesn't it? That's what happened here. The Bible says... He came to himself. You remember David? David had an adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. Had her husband killed on the front line of battle in an effort to conceal what he had done. It took Nathan the prophet going to him and basically saying, David, look, you're the man. When Nathan the prophet stood before him and told him that parable, you know what happened? That light went off. And he realized where he was. There are times in life when we need to step back and realize where we are and what we need to do. This fellow realized where he was and what he needed to do. In Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve transgressed the law of God in the Garden of Eden, God asked him, Adam, where are you? Did God know where Adam was? Yes, he did. God knows everything. But God wanted Adam to realize where he was. So he asked the question, where are you? Could I ask you today, where are you? Where are you in life? Where are you in your relationship to God? Are you a Christian that's walked away from the Lord? If you're living unfaithfully like this young fellow was, don't tell me you're enjoying it, loving every minute of it. Don't tell me you're really satisfied and happy and content because I know you can't be. So there was awareness. He asked himself, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? He said, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So first there was awareness. And the apostle Paul talks about those who are outside the will of God, and somebody sits down and teaches them. And he said the purpose is that they may come to themselves, that they may escape the snare of the devil. Secondly, I want you to think about the acceptance. Look at verse 20, if you would. And he arose and came to his father. 
but when he was still a great way off. And I want you to try to picture the father here. I don't know how long the son's been gone. I can just imagine how lavish he looked when he left. And then to try to visualize this dirty, ragged-looking fella coming home. You think when he left, he had his shoulders back and his head up? He thought about, I'm going out to conquer the world. And now he's coming home. I can just picture him, head down, making his way home. First thing, compassion. Look at what the text says. When he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. You need to understand, if you choose today to come home to God, He'll have compassion on you. A lot of times when folks have messed up and we know, they, we know that they are a train wreck waiting to happen, and when, as we say, the rooster comes home to roost, what do we say? I told you that was going to happen. I knew that's what would happen to you. Sometimes we say, look, you're not welcome here any longer. You think that happens from time to time? Son leaves home, messes up, gets himself in all kind of trouble, comes back home, and what do the parents say? You're not welcome here. Not in this house. Look at the father. He had compassion. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. The son confessed, acknowledged, as we would say, his wrongdoing, didn't he? And note, if you would, the comfort. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf. And kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. What a cheerful ending. We could go on and talk about the elder brother and his attitude. But there was joy in this household. Here's what I want you to see. If you're outside the will of God today... If you're a child of God and you have, for whatever reason, you've left the safety and comfort and happiness of the Father. And you're sitting there right now thinking, you know what? I need to come home. You need to understand this. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how far out in that far country you've been. God will take you back. That's the beauty of God. Here's what the Bible says to those who are outside the will of God who are in Christ. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. James said, confess your faults. Confess your sins one to another. Pray one for another. As a wayward child of God, we would be happy to pray with you and for you today so that you can once again enjoy the peace that passes all understanding. 
It might be the case that you are not a Christian. You've never obeyed the gospel of Christ. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So what would you need to do to become a New Testament Christian, to become a child of God? Here's what the Bible says. First, you've got to put your faith and trust in Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. And Jesus said, if you die in your sins where I am, there you cannot come. That means you won't go to heaven. And then secondly, you have to repent. That is, you've got to change your life. It's what Peter said on Pentecost Day to those people in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 spells it out. And then to confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. You believe Jesus to be the Son of God? Remember the eunuch in Acts chapter 8, verse 37? He confessed Jesus to be the Son of the living God. And then be immersed in water, that is, baptized into Christ. Well, why? So that all your sins can be forgiven. So that all your sins can be washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen. God will then put you in the church, Acts two forty seven. And the promise is, if you're faithful until death, He will bestow on you the crown of life, Revelation 2, verse 10. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.